Eden podcast, where we think again about the Bible on women and men, and we start with the correct understanding of what happened in the Garden of Eden back in the beginning. Today we'll be hearing from Bruce C.E. Fleming, founder of the True 316 Project. He's a former academic dean and professor of practical theology. The foundation of the True 316 Project is based on the research of Dr. Joy Fleming, who wrote the book on Genesis 2 and 3 titled, Man and Woman in Biblical Unity, Theology from Genesis 2 and 3. Now enjoy today's episode of the Eden Podcast. The focus of this episode is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, and verse 7, Witnessing Wives and Husbands. Here is my paraphrase of 1 Peter 3, 1 to 6. You unequally yoked wives, be submitting yourselves to your own husbands so that even though they do not yet believe the word, through your conduct, without using a word, they may be won to faith in Christ when they observe your God-fearing, pure conduct not outward adorning or special coiffure or the wearing of gold, jewelry, and fine clothes, but the inner adorning of the heart by your incorruptible, meek, and quiet spirit, which is of great value before God. For indeed, this is how the holy women of old who kept hoping in God adorned themselves as they submitted themselves to their own husbands. Sarah, for example, trusted in God and submitted to Abraham, her husband, after the angel came. You are now her daughters by your well-doing and your fearlessness of any disappointment. Unsaved husbands. The word one, W-O-N, near the end of verse one, O-N-E, is a missionary word. This is the goal of the wives described in verses one to six. These husbands do not know the Lord. They need to be one, W-O-N, to Christ. When Peter says, if any obey not the word, he uses if in a first-class conditional way. He could have used the word since. There is nothing iffy about these men. None of them obeys the word. All are unsaved. In these verses, Peter deals with wives whose everyday lives have been transformed because of their own salvation. As new Christians, they feel a natural urgency to see their spouses one to Christ. Wouldn't it be wonderful, they perceive, to live each day as believers together, to pray together, and to interact with others as Christians together? For those who look forward to this and pray about it for some time with no noticeable change in their spouse, a certain suffering begins to build. What else can I do to speed up this process? Will my spouse ever be one to Christ? The church had been growing a number of years by the time Peter wrote his letter. Likely, there was a sizable number of Christian spouses who wanted advice for their situation. Peter gives them hope. He tells them how best to live in order to lead their spouse to Christ. Temporary Behavior 1 Peter 3, 1-6 addresses how wives ought to act during the temporary situation where one spouse in the marriage is a believer, but the other is not yet a Christian. These verses do not address ongoing, normal relations between a pair of believing spouses. Peter writes to wives who find themselves in the worst of situations where they cannot even speak with their husbands about Christ. They have to do all their talking through their actions. When I worked for Youth for Christ as a college student, I often counseled teenagers who had just become Christians. I learned to remind them that actions speak louder than words. I found that instinctively most of them wanted to go home, tell their parents about their own salvation, and immediately instruct their parents on how to become Christians too. But this was not always taken well by some of the parents. 
I counseled these teenagers, first, go home and be the best son or daughter you can be. Let the love of Christ flow through your actions and wait for your opportunity to tell your parents about Christ once you have won the right to be heard. If the change in you is real, your parents will notice, and when you explain, they will believe your explanation. In various cultures around the world today, wives find themselves in similar awkward situations where they're not able to speak to their husbands about Christ. Waiting to witness is not easy. Believing spouses need encouragement to bear up under their culture-imposed silence. Verses 2 through 4, Witnessing Through Action Peter's readers are Christians, 1 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. He has advised them to grow in their spiritual lives, 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3. The unequally yoked wives have already taken the most important step they can take toward being effective advertisements for Christ. They themselves have been won by Christ. Peter wants the behavior of these Christian wives to catch their husband's attention. Elements, he suggests, that will stand out to them will be purity, reverence, and inner beauty. Of all the people in the Bible, perhaps Peter understood impatience the best. Even as he counsels these wives to live chaste and pure lives, he knows some of their unsaved husbands seem as if they will be forever blind to their actions. At the close of verse 4, Peter reassures these waiting wives that all is not in vain. God is watching and approving. The life of a witnessing wife is of great worth in God's sight. Verses 5 and 6. On occasion, I have seen an unwise dog owner tease his pet by dangling a tasty morsel just out of the reach of his hungry dog. The dog leaps high in the air with jaws ready to snap on the prize. Up goes the dog. Up goes the arm of the human, too. The jaws snap shut on empty air as the frustrated dog falls earthward. God is not a tease. He does not place the cry, Save my spouse in the heart of a new believer just to deny answering that prayer. In verses 5 and 6, Peter encourages waiting, witnessing wives to be patient and believe in what to them may have come to seem an impossibility, the salvation of their unsaved husbands. See 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 9. Peter compares the difficult situation of these unequally yoked women to that of the holy women of old in various situations who placed their trust in God. Many of the women in the Old Testament found themselves in seemingly hopeless spots. In verses 5 and 6, Peter picks Sarah to illustrate his point. Sarah's marriage was not like that of the women in 1 Peter 3. She had married a believer. But to Peter, Sarah was a supreme example of the kind of person he had in mind, a holy woman of old. Both a waiting, witnessing wife and the barren and aged Sarah could safely place before God their seemingly impossible prayer requests. Sarah's request was for the fulfillment of God's promise that she should have a child. Years had passed, and she and her husband were past their childbearing years. Her case seemed hopeless. Yet God answered her prayers. To Peter, holding fast to a similar faith as a witnessing wife is a way of believing in God as a spiritual daughter of Sarah. The subject of married life as a Christian couple is not covered in these six verses. In verses 1 to 6, Peter gives advice that needs to be followed as long as the spouses are spiritually unequal. As soon as a husband is one to Christ and both spouses are believers, a full Christian home life can be enjoyed by both members of the couple. Biblical advice on the subject of a Christian marriage can be found in other passages, not here. 1 Peter 3, 7 Advice to Witnessing Husbands Likewise, you unequally yoked husbands 
Use good sense as you dwell with your unsaved wife while she is the weaker partner, treating her with dignity as a fellow human being so that your prayers for her salvation might not be hindered. The other way around. After he advises Christian wives with unsaved husbands in verses 1 to 6, Peter turns to Christian husbands who find themselves in the same situation. Often a wife leads the way in accepting Christ, but because sometimes it's the husband who first believes, Peter dedicates verse 7 to these men. Verse 7 is packed full of meaning. In context, this verse provides the best practical advice in the Bible for husbands whose wives are unsaved. Peter's advice is that unequally yoked husbands, Christian men married to unbelieving women, should be model husbands. Alert! Often parts of this verse are taken out of context. As always, whenever any verse or part of a verse is taken out of context, opinions on what it teaches can go far astray. This is true of 1 Peter 3, 7. Let's look at the words of verse 7 in their context. The Greek word order of verse 7 contains six distinct ideas. It is helpful to look at each element one by one. 1. Likewise, husbands. 2. Dwell together according to knowledge. 3. As with a weaker vessel. 4. Assigning honor. 5. As co-heirs of the grace of life. 6. That your prayers be not hindered. 1. Likewise, husbands. In 1 Peter 3.7, Peter begins with the word likewise. This links up with the likewise he used to introduce verse 1. What does it mean when unequally yoked Christian wives and Christian husbands are in a likewise situation? How is the situation of the husbands in verse 7 like that of the witnessing wives in verses 1 to 6? Their spouses are unsaved too and need to be one to Christ. Most modern English translations don't show that Peter used the same Greek word at the beginning of verses 1 and 7. It would be helpful if this was clearly shown. By repeating likewise in Greek at the start of each verse, Peter yokes these verses into coordinated advice to those Christian wives and Christian husbands who, likewise, find themselves in similar positions. Alert! Those whose Bibles do not show the parallelism in these verses often end up trying to make a backward link from the likewise in 3.1 to something referred to in 1 Peter chapter 2. This effort results in futility and confusion. 1 Peter 2 deals with glorifying God through suffering. It's not about winning people to Christ. Some people latch on to the word submit in chapter 2, which is used in the context of all citizens, 2.13, and slaves, 2.18, and when they try to link these two verses with the word submit in chapter 3, 1 and verse 5, they run into trouble because Peter has moved on to another topic. If they persist, they develop non-Bible-based theories that link wives with slaves. The results can be catastrophic. Studying the pro progress of thought in 1 Peter and determining the limits of the pericope in 1 Peter 3, 1 to 7 protects the reader from attempting to make erroneous links and drawing incorrect conclusions. If Peter's words, either to the witnessing husbands or to the witnessing wives, are studied out of context, his insights on the topic of these seven verses are lost because each likewise section is necessary to help define the other. 2. Dwell together according to knowledge. Peter recommends that these husbands be especially thoughtful with their wives. They are to dwell together according to knowledge. Among other things, this means that they are to continue dwelling together. They are not to separate. This squares with Paul's recommendation that a saved spouse should not abandon an unsaved one, except under a limited number of specific exceptions. 
Peter exhorts Christian husbands to demonstrate knowledge or understanding. Reinecker, page 757, suggested that this meant that they had to use, quote, Christian insight and tact. A conscious effort is required on the husband's part. He needs to stop and think before speaking and acting in order to let his understanding show through to his wife. 3. As with a weaker vessel. The King James Version translates the next Greek words as the weaker vessel. The term vessel stands for a wife. Paul used the same word in 1 Thessalonians 4.4 to address a different aspect of marriage. An important question is, what is meant by weaker? In this passage, the weaker vessel is the unsaved and therefore spiritually weaker spouse. Some have strayed from the topic of witnessing husbands with their unsaved wives. They have speculated on other ways they think a wife might be weaker. Obviously, as soon as they start to wander from the subject of 1 Peter 3.7, they deviate from the intent of Peter's words. Some people speculate on how all women might be weaker than all men. Their speculations can go far astray. How can one propose that women are physically weaker than men? In many countries, they are the ones who do the heavy work, especially in the fields. What about the fact that women live longer than men in Western societies where death in childbirth has been greatly reduced? How can one propose that women are weaker than men intellectually? Reports are that most American universities have a greater number of women graduates than they do men. How can one propose that women are weaker than men spiritually? Our studies have shown that woman was not the temptress. She was a second-degree sinner compared to the other two sinners who sinned in the first degree in the Garden of Eden. Women are called by God to fulfill the Great Commission. They are equipped by the Holy Spirit to use all the spiritual gifts, as are male believers. Nevertheless, many people say that women are weaker in one or all of these ways. They organize life in church and at home as if women really were weaker. These ideas are wholly extraneous to this passage. They are not supported elsewhere in Peter or anywhere else in Scripture. These false beliefs and bad practices must be identified, rejected, and corrected. If you believe that a woman is spiritually weaker only as long as she is the unsaved spouse of the marriage, you are supported by Peter's words of 1 Peter 3.7. If you hold to any of the erroneous views just mentioned, think again. 4. Assigning honor. Why would Peter instruct these Christian husbands to assign honor to their wives? Is this advice they need to hear? Are these unequally yoked husbands treating their unsaved wives as less than worthy of honor? Perhaps. Peter instructs these Christian husbands to be wise and enlightened in how they live with their unsaved spouses. While his wife is unsaved, a Christian husband needs to live an exemplary life before her, and of course afterwards too. If he does so and accords her honor, his testimony for Christ will be all the more attractive this word honor is the same one used in the Greek Old Testament where children were told to honor their father and their mother. Peter's advice is for a husband to treat his unsaved wife with as much honor as was required in the Ten Commandments of a child who respectfully honored a parent. 5. As co-heirs of the grace of life. These words provide the reason for assigning such honor. Many have read the words quote, co-heirs of the grace of life, as if they've been written by Paul and as if they indicate that these Christian husbands have Christian wives. They take the phrase co-heirs of the grace of life 
to mean that both spouses are believers. But a closer look at Peter's use of these words shows otherwise, because Peter does not use his words as does Paul. Peter does not use the words grace or gift or heir elsewhere in his letters in any technical or theological sense, nor does he use the word life in a theological manner. In the other two occasions where Peter uses the word life, 1 Peter 3.10, 2 Peter 1.3, he does not have in mind eternal life. In these occurrences, his meaning is simply earthly life. The words grace of life are used together in one short phrase in 1 Peter 3.7. They sound very much like a typical description of a Christian, but these words are not used together anywhere else by anyone else in the New Testament. This is not Peter's way of describing those who have received the gift of eternal life. It is his way of describing the grace of earthly life. A Christian man's unsaved wife is to be assigned honor as a human being, deserving of all the rights and respect to every other adult. In many ways, this advice is quite revolutionary. It will also be quite powerful in communicating the power of Christ who has changed the life of a husband. New life in Christ will become attractive and believable to the wife of such a man who treats her well. 6. That your prayers be not hindered. What prayers? These are not prayers about any and all subjects. In a household made up of unequally yoked spouses, one can assume that this prayer refers to the second prayer of a Christian spouse for the salvation of the other spouse. What can hinder the answering of such prayers as a second prayer? A wife could be offended put off, or even be embittered by the actions of a clumsy, offensive husband. Peter's advice to witnessing husbands is virtually the same that he gives to witnessing wives. Each one is to wisely and lovingly dwell with his or her respective spouse in such a way as to be a good example of the Christian life. In this way, the unsaved spouse can be won to Christ in answer to heartfelt prayer. Then together they can live the blessed life of a Christian couple. Are you troubled that many have missed the evangelistic nature of 1 Peter 3? Do you see the hope that Peter offers to spiritually unequally yoked spouses? Is there anyone you know who needs to learn what this passage really says in order to learn how to deal with their marriage situation? Unequally yoked Christians can persevere in the hope of prayer answers yet to come. As we learned in our study of Genesis 3.16, spelled out in our volume, The Book of Eden, by learning the true meaning of this passage in 1 Peter 3, we can understand the loving power of God's Word. You've been listening to the Eden Podcast, and we invite you to visit our website at true316.com. That's tru316.com for links to our books, blog posts, and our YouTube channel with more than a dozen in-depth workshops on the seven key Bible passages on women and men from Eden on. You can also receive a study guide on this episode for use in small groups and more. Find that in our blog posts at our website or email bruce at true316.com to request the study guide. The Eden Podcast is brought to you by the True 316 Project. True316.com You can help move forward the True 316 Project. Please visit patreon.com. And thanks for listening to the Eden Podcast. Podcast.